I'm Rupa Subramania. This is Tom Korski. This is Ken Drysdale. This is Dr. Eric Payne. This is Dr. William Mackis. Hi, this is Shadow Davis from the Shadow at Night live stream, and you are listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Thursday. I figured what better way than to kick off the new year without firing off five in the first week. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody was like happy to have Monday off. I was in the studio Sunday and I was like foaming at the mouth. Let's get it going. Let's let's get it going. And then I did this silly thing because, uh, you know, I'm like, well, you know, quick dicks in here, okay, advance. I'm like, holy crap, this is really coming together. Barbara says he'll do it, okay. So now I got less than 16 days to sell some tickets. And uh, I'm like, oh, crap, like that isn't enough time. Or is it? I challenge all you lovely listeners that uh, maybe it is. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. We got quick dick, uh, Steve Barber from Upstream Data. Bitcoin mining, that type of thing. And uh, Vance Crow, uh, he's been a guest on the podcast multiple times. All going to be in Lloyd Sunday, January 22nd at the Gold Horse Casino. We're talking um, <clears throat> the rural-urban divide. It's been a topic that's, you know, been a feature of many a podcast on here. It's been a topic on, around the water cooler a ton. And I thought, you know, why not get a, a couple guys with some different backgrounds to sit up on stage, go back and forth, talk about some things. I mean, obviously, everybody knows who Quick Dick is uh, with his his background in the farming, sec- uh, his farming uh, sector. Geez, spit it out, Sean. And then uh, Vance Crow was like toured all of North America um, talking to different people back from his time in Monsanto, uh, you know, like he's, he's got an interesting background, an interesting view on things and is an excellent public speaker. I mean, like to have him, uh, just work out is like, what is going on? And then Steve Barber. I mean, he's been a fantastic podcast, podcast guest, blah, 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 blah. It's been a fantastic podcast guest. And so, um, like his view of the world and, and some thoughts he has, I just think is an interesting group of guys to stick on stage uh, and hopefully bring some of that uh, flair and, and, and some an interesting night over a topic that I think we're all like chewing on a little bit, you know, like I don't have the answers. I'm not sure these three do, but I, I, I would love to hear them sit, discuss, have some interaction with the, the, the audience and see where it goes. So that's, that's, uh, Sunday, January 22nd. If you're thinking about going, don't think anymore. Just buy a ticket. They're 75 bucks a piece, or uh, you can buy a table of 10 for uh, 750 Of course, the, the tables get uh, prime city seating and then rush seating. You know, you, you get there when the door is open at 5, and you can sit where there isn't any, you know, bought tables. But uh, my stress level right now is at about a 10. You know, I'm like, why did I do this to myself? But I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, well, I didn't really do it. It just kind of fell on my lap, and it's like... Do you take the opportunity or not? Anyways, took it. The um, other thing that uh, you'll notice in the show notes is uh, intentionallivingwithmeg.com backslash sovereignty. Uh, it's an event of, uh, it, it's a group of ladies. That's what I'm, I'm going to say. Uh, you, you've you known uh, uh, Carla Treadway, who's been on the podcast, and Sarah Swain. They're both going to be there. It's at Sylvan Lake, February 4th. It's uh, about learning skills and building community uh, and somehow, I don't know how I f- fell into this, but anyways, they got a, they got a few men that are attending and, um, we got talking or they, you know, reached out and got talking to them and, and they wanted me to come, uh, do a little, um, 
talk on on some of the uh, work I've been doing with uh, this men's group idea and then uh, obviously the podcast as well. So if uh, you're interested in uh, what they're doing, I would just say first off, go take a look at the website, intentionallivingwithmeg.com backslash sovereignty or just look in the show notes. It's sitting right there. Click on the link. And essentially, uh, it's a full day event in Sylvan Lake. You decide if you want to go. If you decide you want to pay and you want to go, use promo code SNP50. That gets anyone who uses that code 50 bucks off any tickets. Uh, a little kickback to this this guy, you know. And I, I mean, I appreciate it. If you don't want to go, that's totally fine. I'm gonna be there. I'm like I say, I I, I don't know how I got here. Like I'm, I'm just, it's one of those things again. So that's February 4th. So uh, we got some events coming up uh, that are going to be interesting. And uh, I'm excited uh, for 2023 because I came out of the gun, uh, out of the guns, out of the gates blazing. And uh, the year seems to be testing my, my, my stamina already. Either way, uh, I hope you'll either make SMP here in Lloydminster on uh, January 22nd, the Sunday, or uh, February 4th in Sylvan Lake. It sounds like each one of them is going to offer their their uh, different entertainment or, or learning uh, values that I think anyone can, uh, uh, you know, get behind. Either way, there's some cool cool ladies in Sylvan Lake. There's some interesting men going to be in, in Lloydminster. And I hope that I see some of you somewhere. And, uh, yeah, today I get to sit with uh, our current MLA. And uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation. I... I, uh, well, you'll hear all about it. So, uh, how about we get to the tale of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum for the past 80 years. They've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals delivering to your farm, commercial or oil field locations. For more information, visit them at HancockPetroleum.ca. He's a member of the United Conservative Party and the MLA for Vermilion, Lloydminster, and Wainwright. I'm talking about Garth Rosewell. So buckle up. Here we go. Uh, This is Garth Rosewell. You're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by MLA Garth Roswell. So Garth, thanks for uh, hopping in the studio. Well, thanks for having me. First time here. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, uh, you know, um, anytime I get to... uh, uh, bring new people into the studio, especially mm-hmm. the studio, because normally, you know, we do this, uh, you know, the, the COVID world put everybody at distance and that opened up a, a list of doors I never thought I'd have access to, right. any kind of thing, right? Yep. But uh, nothing beats sitting across from somebody, uh, right. you know, and enjoying a good conversation, a cup of coffee. And I uh, appreciate you uh, making the drive in, the tour into the studio. You're the first in studio of 2023. How's that? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Something I did the first. <laughs> now, I was saying to you before we uh, we got going here um, that, uh, you know, when the podcast first started out, I, I focused a lot on community. Right. And then, um, you know, as different doors opened up, you know, I've been able to interview people from across Canada, the United States, different parts of the world. And, uh, I've kind of almost gone full circle. I, ke- I want to keep doing all that for sure. But I also, uh, understand there's a real importance on, uh, showcasing some of the things going on in our community. So our community can understand, you know, different things. And, uh, so when you reached out about coming on, I was like, yeah, yeah it's perfect. Uh, honestly, we should probably be doing a sit down a, a year in review, if you would, uh, with the MLA, um, 
for all the you know the listeners from uh, Vermilion and and Wainwright and Lloyd Minster certainly Lloyd's that's interesting yep. uh, you know Oddball on the border thing. right yep. like I almost thought wow I wonder if Colleen <laughs> Young should have been sitting in here yep. with us you know yep. and we could have had a little either way um, for the for the listener who is listening abroad though and wants to follow along and hear what an MLA has to say about there and everything else I, I, they may not have a clue I, honestly Garth I don't know a whole lot about your right. your upbringing your background and I don't want you to, you don't have to spend an hour on it nope. but nope. I think it'd be good to to hear a little bit about yourself and and we'll start from there and we'll see where we get to sure well that sounds great yeah no I I moved out here in uh, nineteen ninety. And uh, I was a traveler for a whole uh, fertilizer manufacturer called Sherrick Gordon. And, uh, and I had, was looking after dealers here. And then one of them wanted to sell out, and I toured a bunch of people through uh, his, his place, and no one wanted to buy. So anyway, in the end, I said, well, why don't I? So I moved out here. I, I opened up three locations. Where, where did you come from? Uh, just north of Empton, Gibbons is where I grew up. Gibbons, yeah. okay. And uh, on a farm there. And uh, so I came out here and I opened up these, uh, these three places and uh, in Paradise Valley, Marwain, and uh, Vermilion. And uh, so I did that for six years. And then uh, UGG came along and wanted to buy me out. So they bought me out and then I worked for them for four years as a territory manager, kind of northeastern Alberta and northwestern Saskatchewan is the area that I was looking after. And... Um, then I, uh, when I left that, I decided, well, I was done because it was kind of a, I was a small business guy working for a big company and, uh, you know, you, you, you wind up into top down type management. So, and not that I hated it. I, I learned stuff while I was working there that was, uh, uh, really worthwhile learning. And, um, uh, but you know what, it came to the end and then I, I, I reached out and I left there and did a thing called farms.com and it was, um. Uh, it was an um, online, uh, uh, I'd say, consulting. We did uh, agronomic consulting and market for primarily grain farmers, and it was finance out of Memphis, Tennessee. And we were charging by the acre, and I was the Western Canadian manager. And it was interesting because our goal was half a million acres in the first year, and we got 410000 and they couldn't give it away for free in the States. So they wrapped everything up and shut it down. And so here I am, unemployed, right? And then, uh, so I went and I went to work for a company called Edward Jones Investments. It's a financial company, and I spent 17 years working for them, and uh, came to the point where I was done in the financial industry and politics. I, I would always be involved in the background, helping other people, but I never put my name out front before. And I said, "Well, I'll, I'll do this. If if I win, then then I'm I'm." Do, I'm an MLA. If I don't, I'm retired. And so I, I felt like I had nothing to lose. And uh, we had a very competitive nomination uh, process. There was uh, six of us, and we went five rounds. So it was very, very close right through the whole thing. Really good people, and they helped me when we were done. So it wasn't adversarial. Everyone yeah. just laid out what they wanted to do, and, and away they went. So, so that's uh, kind of in a short thing. That's where I was. That's where I kids, came from. Kids, family. Yeah, kids. I got two girls. Um, one actually just moved back to Vermilion. Uh, okay. And bought my acreage, and I moved into town. That's <laughs> interesting. So there's a lot less work to do, and they've got it now, which suits me quite fine. And then I and she's a uh, she works in the financial industry for a, a national bank. Got to be happy to have the daughter back home. I bet. Well, we are, and they just had a they had a baby that's just over a year old, and another oh, yeah. one coming in June. So they're 
they're so I'm a grandparent finally in in the big picture, and uh, so that's nice. And uh, then the other one is out in Squamish, BC. And, okay. Uh, she went to uh, she went to oh Norquest in uh, in Edmonton and got her LPN. Worked at that for a while, and then she wanted to upgrade to an RN, and the best place to do that was BCIT. And she met a guy out there that does um, uh, live edge uh, furniture. He make, makes live edge furniture in Squamish, and uh, so that's where she's living now. So interesting. Tell me about uh, your journey into politics. I'm, I'm curious about this. I, I was yep. saying to you, you know, I've said this a lot on air. You know, I'm uh, up until I had kids, so yep. pretty much 30. And one might argue it coincides awfully close to Justin Trudeau getting in, to be very <laughs> frank, right? Right. Um, I think for me, I started paying attention a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And then, of course, everybody uh, who was following the podcast over the last year knew, you know, like I got to host it. Uh, host a portion of what you did in Vermillion, yes. right? Uh, yep. I was very honored that I was entrusted to sit on stage and 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 guide something like that, especially yep. with what we, I think, all knew at the time was one of these five is going to be the next Premier of Alberta. And that's of course, right. that's happened. Um, but for me, I'm, 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 I'm like, am I just at the right age? All of a sudden, something clicked and you start paying attention to politics. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you start, you know, analyzing everything and going like, holy crap, what's going on? Is that the same for Garth? Or has Garth had a different way of, uh, you know, putting his toe into the political world? Well, I've, uh, like I said, I, I was kind of, um, I, I was there. It was an interest of mine, um, you know, and I, I'd watch, like I didn't watch lots of NFL or whatever, right? Like, but I liked talk shows and I liked, uh, the uh, weekend, uh, uh, you know, like uh, power and politics or whatever. Sure. Like, uh, so yeah. I enjoyed watching that kind of stuff, and I, and I, 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 you know, I'd form an opinion, and then I tried to be informed because, it, you know, you, and I tried to get both sides of the story because you, you, you know, you don't always get that if you're in some kind of an echo chamber somewhere. But, um, and then I helped with uh, Danny Hozak, who ran for the Wild Rose Party here. Like he ran twice. And I was his campaign manager both times and tried to um, um, get the seat here for, for them. And, and so we went to the AGMs and we got involved in policy development and that type of thing. So that was, that's where it was at. And then, so it was just an interest and never intended to be a politician. But then when, uh, when, when this thing happened and uh, Kenny came to try to unite the parties, I came to, every time he came out to Lloyd, I... Uh, I, I went to his events and whoever else came out this way. And, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, and I said, well, geez, I kind of like this guy. Like he's, he's, he, you know, he's got a plan and, and he, he executes on a plan. So, so, so with that, I thought with him as leader, I'd be comfortable giving it a shot. And, and that's what happened. I got to ask then, yeah. you know, uh, what you saw in those meetings, did it equate to what you saw in the, the political sphere once you were elected? You know, I, yeah. I'm jumping here, but I'm yeah, like, no, fair enough. Yeah. I, I, I mean, well, a lot of the rural countryside yeah. didn't think Kenny held up any end of his bargain. And wow. I mean, obviously you have a bit of a different view being yep. underneath him and working, you know, I, I don't know, if, is it alongside, underneath, I, you yeah. tell me. Well, yeah, and if, you know, I'm... Um, uh, like he came out with his his platform like they there's a lot of work put into that platform i personally didn't have a lot of involvement in it because it happened before i was even nominated you know and i wasn't in the process but 
uh, like that was beside him on our caucus meetings. <laughs> so his goal was to deliver on what was in the, in the platform. And, uh, and he kept a running total of how many promises we've kept so far and how many more we want to do by the time the term ran out. So, so I, I think he, he did that. I think the, the one that wasn't in there was, was COVID. And I think, uh, COVID was, if it wasn't for COVID, I think he'd be a very popular premier in, in the country. Uh, but I think that's that and what, and how, how that evolved over the two years is what, uh, what, what caused him all his troubles. But for the most part, I think he, he did what he said he was going to do. You know, you bring up COVID and I, <clears throat> one, everybody by this point has known my position on, on, on what went down yeah. and everything else. And I've interviewed, you know, people from all across the place. I've always stared, you know, I look at leaders, government leaders, and I, yep. I'm very pleased, I think is a light way to put it, that Daniel Smith is now your new boss. Mm -hmm. And once again, I don't know if it's new boss. I, yep. Whatever, you get the point. Yep. Uh, the new boss of, of, of Alberta is maybe the way I should put it. But like, uh, you know, in the middle of COVID, you had the way Jason Kenny ran things. You had the way Scott Moe ran things. Um, you had the way... Uh, Mr. Ford out in Ontario, but then if we change countries, you know, everybody stared at DeSantis. Yep. And certainly in the United States, there was other people other than DeSantis. Yes. He stands alone. Heck, he might be the next uh, president of the United States on the way he did things. Yep. Um, you know, I always said, and maybe you can shed some light on this, because yep. I, me and Shane Getson have had this discussion sure. more <laughs> times than not. I said, basically, you know, everyone says until COVID. But to me, a leader is defined by those moments, by like, holy crap, I didn't see this coming, and how are we going to react, and how are we going to do things? Yeah. And everybody points to the summer of Jason Kenney, everything is open, yeah. and a week later, public pressure put on him, everything's closed, and we go into the dark and the dark, and it gets darker, and then Ottawa happens, essentially is how that, you know, six months kind of plays out. And as good of a leader as Jason Kenney may have been, he will be remembered for that stretch of time for the rest of the time. And I, uh, to me, I, I look at it and I just go, there were people at that time screaming a high heaven. And you probably heard a lot of them, you know, being yep. an MLA, I can just imagine the emails and mail coming in and everything else. Yep. But there were different people in different spots of not only our country, our country was, you know, Alberta and Saskatchewan were some of the freest. And I know people will hate me saying that because mm -hmm. it wasn't quite, uh, you know, equated to that. Um, but in our country, that was two of the provinces that tried doing things, and there's a list of things uh, that went wrong. But, I mean, you know, DeSantis was sitting there. You had uh, the lady in South Dakota, I always forget her name. Uh, Noam. Noam, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And I don't know. I, you're the man, well, one of the, the group that lived through it, and I've, me and Shane have had this talk so many times, yeah. you know. It's well, interesting uh, to hear a different perspective yeah. and maybe a more local yeah, perspective. Yeah, well, for me, uh, I got help. Uh, no matter what the decision was, every time from both sides. And I always tell a story. There was one decision, I forget what it was or when it was, but a decision was made and, and I had a phone call to my constituency from an individual calling me a hillbilly for not, for not going far enough on the restrictions. And then I had another person phone me and call me a tyrannical Nazi for going too far, right? So there was these like there was there was these camps yeah uh, if you want to call them that uh, at, at kind of both ends of no restrictions and I haven't seen a restriction I didn't like and wished you'd go further 
that represented uh, a smaller portion of the total population, in my view. The biggest uh, cohort was everyone that said, well, you know, you know, there's some stuff I don't like. There's some stuff I'm, I'm okay with. I, I, I believe that the government's making their decisions uh, based on the data they got and doing the best they can. And that was the, the least vocal. Uh, yeah, the silent, uh, the silent majority yeah, didn't they, talk. They, they, did, they don't talk, and they, and, but, uh, you know, uh, they, you know, the, but the, the other two ends were, were like, I heard from them all the time. And we'd have competing, like I know one decision we had was to, we were going to reduce re, a restriction, whatever it was, it might've been related to schools. And I, I was getting a, a flow, a big flow from people that wanted more restrictions. And then I had one from a person that says, don't fall back on that. And I just made a statement that, well, you know, we're the, most of the calls we're getting right now are coming from people that want more restrictions. And then that got out, and then there was a competition, and we got, uh, you know, not by us, but the word went out, phone our MLA because, or email him or whatever, uh, because this is what he's hearing. And in the end, it was about the, uh, there was about an equivalent number of people from both sides in this constituency arguing about that decision. So it, it wasn't where, what I saw and what people in their own, pods or groups don't see is the other side of the story. So for example, like I, uh, when I met with groups of people and uh, the ones from the one area said, look, they, they were against masks, they were against restrictions, they were against vaccinations. And they said like, and, and, and they were just against all that stuff. So, so I say, so in a summary, what I've heard today is no masks, no vaccinations, no restrictions, and whoever dies, dies. And they said, yes, right. Two different times, two different groups I met with said yes. And I said, well, I can't agree with that. On the other side, I had people phone me up and say, look, if they're not vaccinated and they get sick, they shouldn't be treated. Right? Well, here, here's the and, thing. And I said, well, I just don't agree with that. Everybody in the world was having that conversation. Yeah. Those two groups met behind closed doors and had it out. It went all the way from those groups all the way into friends, all the way into families. Yep. Had that same conversation yep. all the way across the board. There was just things that made zero sense. And one of them is like, well, then people just die, right? Yep. That's, that's you know, and you go, yeah, well, yeah, no. It's like, well, no, but there's there's different countries. And I know you can't answer this. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm, you know, getting a... It, in order for the emergency authorization of a new vaccine to be out, they had to say there was no proven drugs that could help alleviate blah, 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 early treatment. It's just nice box at their early treatment, yep. right? I mean, Peter McCullough and people can love or hate Peter McCullough. They can love or hate some of these names, but there was these different names on there. They were going, listen, look at, look at India, Ivor Pradesh, look at what Mexico, look at what these different countries are doing. As soon as you have an alternative allows early treatment, then you don't need the vaccine or sorry, don't need the vaccine. Then the vaccine isn't allowed to be used because it has to be the only uh, option. And so I think what the frustration of the one group was is like, we have one solution to everyone. Mm -hmm. We're not no longer looking at ramifications, long-term data, blah, 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 which is just plowing full head on. And once again, 
you're you're just a representative of yep. a group of people. And I I think probably one of the things I struggle to understand, and you can probably shed a, a better light on this, is you want in I don't know my lifetime have dealt with something, been a part of something that nobody. I shouldn't say nobody saw it coming because uh, there were people that definitely were watching this and everything else. But for the majority of the population, nobody was predicting this. Yep. Um, as a representative leader, I, I, I think you hope you get the four years where you win a, you know, uh, I don't know, a whole bunch of awards. And, you know, it's not, not easy, but, you know, like, once again, you're not having both sides of the population. People talk about politics mm-hmm. and how people are never happy. Well, they were certainly never happy through all this. I'm one of them. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I was vocal. Yeah. Uh, definitely interviewed different people. I was I was probably one of the upset ones, but I wasn't upset that I think people should just die. Yeah. I just went, why is it just one solution? Why can't we, you know, uh, me and Mike Kuzmiskis once upon a time talked about this. Let's put up a whiteboard. Let's bring in really smart people. There's people that are checking all these things. But as soon as it went against some of the things the government was trying to do, or at least that's the way it looked. Yeah. It got shut down. You got shadow banned. You got pushed. And you're like, what are we doing? That was the tough thing from, um, I like to think I'm, I'm maybe, you know, closer to the middle than people will give me. But at the same time, um, I know a lot of people think I'm, uh, you know, pretty yeah. far to the one side. Yeah. That's the hardest thing for me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know if anyone got it perfect, you know, but it's... Uh, but decisions are made based on the data that you had at the time. Like when it first came out, of course, the models, and we can look back and say, well, shouldn't have listened to them. But the models were uh, 30,000 Albertans were going to die. You know, we can, at the time, right? And that's when Bill 10 came out. And, uh, and as a result of Bill 10, uh, and actually the NDP pushed back on that and said this is an overreach. But at the time, if, if enough MLAs got sick, we had no method for passing legislation unless you were in the legislature. Mm. So, so what uh, Kenny did was, uh, and I was part of that group, to review the Alberta Health Act. And it had never been reviewed uh, in full before. And out of that, like since 1910, uh, in the Alberta Health Act, you, the government had the authority to mandate vaccinations. One of our recommendations coming out of that was to get rid of that. And, and we did. And then the, the extra powers that were given to ministers to make decisions were, um, uh, uh, were uh, and that was there because if you can't sit and make legislation, then you have to have the power to make, make, uh, make you know, your own laws. So our recommendation coming out of the thing was, uh, well, if you're going to have that, then let's say within six months you have to put it through the legislature and get it uh, approved, right? What came out of the recommendations or what the leadership decided to do was just get rid of built in totally and take away all that power and then make it so we can vote virtually in the legislature. And we did do that in the spring of 2021. So, so you know, there was some good stuff based on that. and And... You know, I, we can go in hindsight and second-guess decisions and why didn't you do it like that person, you know, and then there's always reasons, comes from the other side, says, well, yeah, but this, right? And so you get into this statistical debate, and uh, and I just think they, they made decisions best they could. We had our input in caucus, like we, we would give uh, our opinion, then this uh, par- uh, priorities implementation cabinet committee would get together, 
and take feedback from uh, from health services and the experts there, and they'd make a decision. And, yeah. and that's kind of how it all, that's how it worked. I I, um, uh, I know certain people are going to want me to hold you here the yeah. entire hour. I do, I do want to <laughs> say, you know, I, 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 I'm actually really interested to explore a whole ton of things with you because one of the things yep. you talk about getting rid of uh, that power and different things like yes. that, I'm like, I think that's super interesting for people to hear. Yep. Um, some of the, the positives maybe, uh, yep. some of the things that have been going on that maybe don't get talked about enough. But I will say one of the the struggles, you know, when you when you talk about they talk to we talk to the health experts and stuff like that. Yep. We saw um, not, and I can't talk to doctors. I'll talk to media. Yeah, okay? sure. Yeah. Um, we saw what happened when people talked differently. They got removed from their jobs. You know, they yep. got like. It yep. was a full out, full por- full court press on anyone who spoke differently. Yep. And so, you know, when you look in hindsight, it's like it was it's pretty clear. And it's to me, to this day, it's still very clear. If you talk differently against what's going on, you're out of jo- I mean, like in, in media alone, I yep. all I need to bring up is is Kid Carson out in Vancouver, radio station, just talked yep. openly about a couple things. Or Heather I hope I'm getting her name right, Prozac. I think it's Prozac. Don't Somebody out there screaming at the radio right now because yep. she's a lady from Calgary. Went to went to Cal uh, went to Ottawa. All she did was just film it. She thought it'd be great for uh, the radio station. I'm uh, hoping to get her on here actually to just yep. talk about it, right? Yeah. And they removed her from it. They told her you have to get that off your your Facebook page. Now that's Ottawa. That isn't uh, yep. you know, but we all know what Ottawa was because, right? And so it's tough because uh, for a lot of us we just see like there was one solution. That was it. We're going to do it at all costs, even though there was two sides com- clashing. I can't imagine the conversations that went on behind closed doors for yourself. And I don't mean yeah. with the politicians. I mean with your own constituents. Yep. Because um, one of the things that uh, was, you know, my wife's a teacher. Right. And uh, schools were not immune to this either. Right. Right. And... I have family, vaccinated, unvaccinated, yep. you know, and the conversations that went there, it, it, it got so personal instead of taking that all out. And it, it bled over from everywhere because both sides weren't heard, or at least in all of our eyes, that's the way it looked. Actually, I don't, I, I don't even think I want to say that's the way it looked. That's the way it was. It was yep. just like, if you talk differently, um, you were banned, shadow banned, removed from your job. I mean... Uh, all you got to do is look in Alberta and unvaccinated uh, nurses, uh, CNRL employees, like the list goes on. Yep. Uh, I mean, I just had Guardian Plumbing and Heating Boys in here, Blaine and Joey Steffen, talking about not being able to get work with ADCO. Now, that maybe this has changed, uh, folks. I want to point that out. But they were on here before Christmas talking about how, you know, there were still things. If you're mm-hmm. not going to follow the vaccination protocols of being on site and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, yep. and it's like it's still very, very real for people and i mean and i'm not even getting into the people who have been vax injured and all that i mean for me the toughest thing i probably there was a lot of tough things and you know the one i'm about to bring up uh because you talked about it uh in legislature was hudson suva Mm -hmm. that one just blew me away and i i know garth you could talk to it and i'll I'll certainly let you um but like for the people that don't remember brandy suva coming on the podcast right her son riding the rural school system masked on a bus and, you know, little kid, winner, and when he gets home, he's unresponsive, right? Yeah, yep. As I understand, he's perfectly fine and healthy. But that's a, like, that story right there, it's still, you know, as a parent, 
you know, gives me like, oh, yeah. yeah, like yeah. anyways. Well, yeah. And I talked to her, she came to my office in Wainwright and we had a, a really good conversation about it. And that's what prompted me to do the, the statement in the legislature. And, uh, and that continued like Shane Getson, you've had, you've yep. talked to him a few times, yep. like him and I were on the same page a lot of times relative to, uh, you know, trying to be, you know, it, it, does this make sense? Right? Like it's the same cohort going on a bus and, and these little kids, like they, it gets all damp and they fall asleep on the bus or whatever. Like it was just, you know, in the end for me, uh, when, when, when I was trying to answer questions, cause I'm not. I, like I, I don't know everything. I got to right? be honest. Yeah. I appreciate you coming in and doing yeah. this with me, right? Yeah. I, I, I think it's something that Shane had suggested yeah. a while back. Is you need to talk to more of us because yeah. a lot of us don't get our voices heard, just like you. Yeah. I'm like fair. Yeah. So you know, and I, I, but so I had to, you know, when I made a statement to someone on a phone or in my constituency, agree or disagree, I said, look, I have to have faith that what I'm saying that I believe, right? So. Kind of my stance on the thing was, is if someone came and asked me, should I get vaccinated? I'd, and I'd say my recommendation would be yes. Uh, one, to protect yourself from the harmful, as we got more data, uh, from the worst effects. And it doesn't, not everyone has it, and it's a minority that do. But, and then the other was just the overwhelming the healthcare system. Like if we didn't have, if the vaccines didn't cause a person that might have got really sick to get less sick to where they didn't need the hospital. That that I felt comfortable saying that. What I what I wasn't comfortable with was how the unvaccinated were treated, and and I said that like when the nurses right, I, I'd say Jesus like like why don't we just have a you know a vaccinated or a negative test? You know it's like the convoy that got started. I think if Trudeau would have come out and said you're either vaccinated or a negative test. Right, I think that's what sparked it, but it was him. It was vaccinated or nothing, and and so that's the part that I that I didn't like, and that I, you know, brought that up in caucus and whenever I could, and you know, and just because Garth walks in the room and says this doesn't mean it's going to happen that way, but you advocate as an MLA your position, and uh, and it either carries the day or it doesn't. Well, help me understand because yeah. this is one. Of, I think this is uh, beautiful for you to come in because yeah. one of the things I don't understand, okay, mm -hmm. is how much. I'm gonna use the word power. Maybe the word should be influence. I don't yeah. know the. I don't know the word. Yeah. Um, an MLA has not just Garth, but all of them. You know, like I hear the story of Brandy Suva's uh, Hudson, right? Mm -hmm. See, her first yep. person got young kids, and in my mind, tomorrow they're all off. I I have no time for you know. Uh, you know, you go through all the statistics. When it comes to kids, they were, I'm not sitting here, I had different listeners reach out and talk about some different things with young kids, but statistically, mm -hmm. they were the least likely to have any ramifications from COVID-19. Doesn't mean they wouldn't get sick. I'm just yep. the least likely. And then you you think all when, when the protections that we're trying to put on to save them are harming them, because what happened after Hudson Suva's the text line blew up with people from across the country that were in rural settings that had a similar thing. Yeah. And I go, why can't government, an MLA, I don't know if it's got to come from the premier. I don't, I, I just, I don't get it. I, I assume there's 17 rings, yeah. but why can't Garth or Shane or whoever just cut through it all and say, guys, listen, we, we almost killed a kid yeah. with a protection. We need to get, we need to, you know, yeah, and I don't understand that. Yeah, well, no, the, the, those cases were made. 
right? But 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 what you're not accounting for is people that disagree with us, right? And so so like there's there's um, like like I say there's both sides of opinion. So we make our case, right? Like that's what MLA is doing. But what's the opinion on the other side of that? Well, well that it that it um, you know kids if kids get the disease they can pass it on to their when they get home. So and so we have to try to stop them from getting the disease. That's and you can disagree with that, right? But I mean, but you know, and and then it's backed up by whoever they're they're talking to. So so there's information coming in from sure, everywhere. from everywhere. And, yeah, and it's all being looked at. And you know, people say, well, why don't you look at this? And Mike, come back. Yeah, they've they've looked at that. Like I've brought those things up when we were in caucus, and. And I said, yeah, they've looked at that and they've either discounted it based on other evidence from somewhere else because you get conflicting uh, uh, points of view and then people that are trained in the thing have to make a recommendation based on that. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to waste the whole thing on no, this. No, 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 no. But I mean, like ivermectin, for example. I, I, I'd, love, I'd love to re- remind myself. Yeah. I don't think we're wasting anything. I think this no. has been a conversation that probably needed to happen for a long yeah. time. Yeah, Anyways. no, fair enough. But like ivermectin was one, and you kind of talked about yeah. it a little bit, right? Well, I brought on, uh, honestly, to the listener, I brought on Peter McCullough because when ivermectin wasn't allowed, nobody was allowed to prescribe it, right? Yeah. You prescribe it, you lose your job as a doctor. Yeah. That's what it got to, Yeah. right? So then there was a run on horse ivermectin. And I brought on Peter McCullough thinking he was going to say, don't take horse ivermectin or animal mm-hmm. or anyways. And he said, no, you can take it. And I was like, ah, shit, right? Like, yep. uh, to me, I was ex- I was hoping to, to dampen a little bit of what was going on. Except, <laughs> you know, um, I'm no vet. I'm no doctor. And so I left it to what I consider a medical expert. I mean, I think yeah, the and world. He, and he's one on that side. That's right. right. So so when... But we, anyways, I've but, but no, when, when we brought that up, it, you know, or when that became part of the discussion... Uh, it's it's up to Health Canada to approve a drug for use, for medical use. It's the College of Physicians and Surgeons that disciplines uh, doctors in what they do, right? So there was nothing that the provincial government, we couldn't have, we could have said, we couldn't have said use ivermectin, even if we agreed with that, right? Yes. And, and the other part of it is the guys that make ivermectin never applied for, uh, uh, never applied to Health Canada to, to get it approved. So, so why not? Like, if I had a drug that would help, and everyone in the world would use it, why so wouldn't I? Why wouldn't somewhere I, put in I can hear somebody? Somewhere I can hear somebody saying that there's no money in it. I, I can hear that money in what? Uh, in ivermectin. Well, then why do they make it and sell it? Like, I mean, they obviously make money. Uh, I'm yeah. sure they do. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they do. Yeah, uh, I, I'm sure they do. But They're, you know, but yeah, I you know, I have a like I. I don't start from the starting point that everyone's devious and, <laughs> you know, like I, I think, uh, you know, if, 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 uh, if they made application, it would have to go through the process or whatever, but, uh, but it, they didn't, you know, that, that one was kind of what, cause I didn't know about it. Well, I knew, I heard what I heard about ivermectin yeah, yeah. and I knew that it was health Canada that had to prove it. And I said, well, what, are they testing it? What are they doing? Well, then I heard that the guys that make it never applied. Yeah, so they, they never brought it forward. Uh, you know, the ivermectin thing got funny because, not funny, I mean, it was a very serious situation. I just yeah. mean, now looking back, like it got to the point where if I said ivermectin on a podcast, and we've, we've talked about this, yeah. YouTube, it, no longer on YouTube, Garth. Yeah. It's because of a couple of words I said, 
and nothing uh, yeah, no. nefarious. I, I, I think just talking about certain things. And then the convoy. Convoy yeah. got me completely yeah. poop, gone. Yeah. And, and that's you, happening in lots of issues. Yes, it is. You know, yeah, and, I, I and agree, not, yeah. not specifically that. Yeah, right. It's, it's frustrating. <laughs> well, and I yeah. come back to an MLA. You know, yeah. um, I, I, I wonder, you know, uh, how outspoken, you know, like uh, people stare, Todd Lowen's one, right? Became yep. independent. Uh, and I don't know the full story on that. You probably know more of it than, yep. than others. And certain people have their own thoughts on it, others have their own. Um, how much influence did Garth have on, you know, helping his area? Because because Edmonton's going to, you know, like, let's just talk yep. about Edmonton versus uh, where we're at. Yep. And I'll just, they're going to have their own thoughts. I, I'm fine with them having their own thoughts. Yep. I, I really don't. Like I care, but you know what I, you know what I mean. Yeah, I want to protect my area, my community. I want to have both sides, and if we find something out that's relevant that yep. works for us here, I want to be able to enact that fast. But you, maybe maybe it's got to go through some channels because yeah, I mean, there's 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 yeah. you know, yeah, uh, it's it's because it's not my decision, right? Yeah. So like so, all I can try to do is influence the decision, and even like here's an example of how can well say contentious like. In December of 20, um, was it 2021? It was, maybe it's 2020. <laughs> you forget. Yeah, but well, it's, it's been a long stretch. It's been a long stretch. Yes, it has. But regardless, there was, in December, we went from one of the least restrictive uh, jurisdictions in Canada to w one of the most. And because our numbers through the fall, it was 2021, I think. And well, it, it was it, it was it was 2021 where Kenny came out uh, around the time the stampede, roughly. Yeah, and said, and said open, open forever, yeah, open for said, business. Exactly. Yeah. So it was that. It was, and then and then the um, Delta variant came around, and it, it, whatever. So we got to that point. We had we had two caucus. We had a caucus meeting that lasted five hours, where that's all we talked about. So you can tell that there was probably lots of disagreement within caucus, from both sides. Yeah. Right. It was so contentious and we were running out of time. We had things to do. We set up another one a few days later and had another five hour meeting exclusively dedicated to this, right? Then the parlor, uh, the pick committee, uh, had before the decision was made and they had people come in presenting to them and everything. Uh, and then they made a decision that lasted eight hours. So if this was a slam dunk, everyone agrees and we're going to do this. That, that, you know, so all views got put on there. There was a consensus point of view as to here's the decision we're going to go with. It wasn't probably everything anybody wanted, but it was, it was the, the battle. So the influence is, is you represent what you're hearing. Now, when I get an email in and I get this or a phone call and people are saying, here's my opinion, do the right thing. The very next phone call, someone 180 degrees different than that, saying, here's my opinion, represent me, go do the right thing. Right? 100%. So, so that, that's... The, the only issue I have with that is yeah. one side of the opinion has all of the media play, has all of the, has everything on their side. And the other side, especially through COVID, had very little. That way. But I mean, that didn't stop us from representing that point of view. But it would have been tougher. Look at Daniel Smith even coming out and just saying a few things and how much she's been attacked. Yeah. Like it, it, that side of the coin, uh, everybody thought DeSantis was nuts. 
and now he's you know like we'll wait and see what yeah uh, in the end yeah in but, the end yeah but uh, yeah it's yeah so all I'm telling you is kind of yeah 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 the the, the well, life of a of an MLA. Right? Here, here's you know? my here's a curious question for you. Then. Yeah. You, how many how many MLAs uh, sit? Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Are you ever going to get eighty-seven people to go yes on the same boat? No. Wouldn't it be wise? This is completely. I have no idea. This is just Sean throwing ideas at the wall. Mm-hmm. You're living it. So no. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be better to have a little more control over what goes on in each 87 spots? And certainly you want to work together. I mean, you just, uh, we should talk about it. You you just toured, um, you were doing all these healthcare meetings across yep. all of Alberta. Yep. Um, both Jared Elbers asked about it and both uh, Shane Getson thought it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on it. Yep. So here <clears> you've <throat> gone across the province. You've seen everything across the board, probably a uh, thousand different opinions and thoughts and everything else you have a very interesting perspective in alberta yep my my own thought is like to have one decision for an entire province let alone a country let alone a world is a crazy thought because lloyd to hillmond well sorry that's saskatchewan but my hometown to vermilion to elk point to cold lake to wainwright you know and then everywhere in between pv you get you you know you get the point kid scotty there's a lot of there's a lot of difference. Yep. Anyways, you've toured the province. What What did you find out? What did you hear? What did you see? What were your thoughts? Well, it, it was interesting. The The process was is we went to these different communities and we met with um, what we called internal people. So it's people that worked within the healthcare system. So doctors, nurses, dietitians, people that ran the hospitals, all that type of stuff. And we asked three questions. You know, what's working well? and uh and uh and then what isn't working well and what are some of the solutions to it so we did that in the morning and then over lunch or after our after afternoon meeting if time allowed us we'd go tour the local hospital and then in the afternoon we met with uh, municipal leaders so you know reeves mayors councillors chambers of commerce uh, health councils health foundations all that kind of stuff and asked the same questions um, so what, what was consistent that we found was there was, people were really, um, um, like the morale was very low. People were, uh, like some people were leaving the industry because it was just too overwhelming and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, you know, various problems. But then it comes down to specific stuff like, uh, uh, rural EMS relative to urban. Yes. So there's specific issues there. And uh, like rural, like, and we got a central dispatch system that wherever the closest ambulance is, but then there was issues when an ambulance took someone from Wainwright into Edmonton, they might get dispatched locally in Edmonton and down to Leduc and over to Bonacourt or wherever, and it'd be a long time before they got back. So, so, uh, so that was a rural versus urban issue, right? So what, and as we went through this tour, we made changes. And it was interesting because when we were in Rimby, there was an EMS person there and she said, I really like that stacking thing you did in Edmonton, right? And I, I hadn't heard about this, right? And, and I says, well, what, what is that? You know, what, what do you mean? And she says, well, what, what we did, what we tried to do was get um, uh, like a, a, 
an ambulance goes from Wainwright to Edmonton and then starts getting all these different calls. So what they did is they started to triage those calls. So if it wasn't considered highly emergent, they'd get stacked and be dealt with by EMS in that town, in Edmonton, so that the rural one could get back. And she said, as far as she was concerned, in Rimby, it made a big difference for them. So that was a, that was a solution that came out of that for our, when, we were, when we were cruising around the province. The other one what, that resulted out of that was, uh, I get these mixed up, but it was 9 and 1 and 10 and the other. So Calgary and Empton, nine new sets of ambulances and staffed up. And just to get more in there so we don't rely as much on, on the rural ones. And, uh, and, they, uh, and, and the, those are, they're working now. And, and I tell you, the, when I was doing this, when the leadership election thing was, was, uh, was being contended, and, uh, and based on what I saw of this minister and how he got along or, or communicated with everyone, I, I told him, look, I'm going to advocate like crazy to make sure you stay uh, minister of health. Because th- that morale problem I was telling you about, I had people come up uh, after a number of them and said, you know, is he still going to be the minister? Because this is one of the best ones we ever had as far as the the way he was able to absorb all this information and use it and come out with a plan on how he's going to try to improve stuff and then communicate with people. So we did all these tours. Uh, we sent out newsletters as we did it. And there's a feedback loop so people can continually get information back. So... So, you know, we, we, we did that. Another one that with relative EMS, and this was, these are local solutions. And I'll talk about the focus group in, in Vermilion. When I went there to talk to them guys one day, they said, come on back, I want to show you something. Well, they got this thing called a NAT van, uh, a non-ambulance transfer vehicle, right? I've heard, I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I spoke. But, but in saying that, we should explain it for the listener because yeah. maybe they haven't uh, Yeah, and it. what it is, so they're, they're, uh, they spent a little over a hundred grand getting this thing together. So it's, it's the ability to take people from say the lodge to the hospital or to go visit a doctor or do something that you don't need an ambulance for. Now there's a counselor in, in Vermilion named Robert Snow and he's a host of works on focus. He's had 22 years with EMS and he said 30% of ambulance usage is for things that don't need an ambulance, right? Yeah. If we can take that heat off and what they do is they charge people to to do this, but it costs about half of what an ambulance costs. So, so it made sense if we can find something to do that. Uh, and then they, then they try to fundraise to help uh, adopt a ride for the people that can't pay for it. So what he asked me to do was, can you go and see if we can get some kind of a monthly retainer just to kind of keep the lights on as we develop this thing? So I brought it up with the, because on this tour, the, the interim CEO of Alberta Health Services and the chairman of the board of Alberta Health Services uh, were with us. So I developed a relationship with Moro Kiaz, who's the interim CEO, and I asked him about it. And he says, well, send me something. So I, he, Robert had done up a great business plan. I shared it with him. He says, well, we'll get someone in touch with him. So that's the local part. And, and then when I bop around, because Lloyd Minster has handy vans. Yeah. So it is Wayne, right? A lot of places do. And maybe this retainer thing, but of course, that won't get decided in a, in a week or a month, right? Because 
the minister has to say, well, on the big picture, how does all this fit in? So, so you know, that was one of the examples of, of, of stuff that was learned on the trip. The other one that I've been promoting for a while now is I'd really like to see the use of nurse practitioners expanded and have more of them. And three years ago, we had about 550 nurse practitioners. We got about 850 now. I think they're part of say, the, say those numbers again. Sorry, what was uh, the first number? Five hundred and fifty. And now we're at eight. Eight hundred and fifty. Okay. So we've 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 got more, and I think uh, and we have to be able to utilize them to the full scope of their practice, and that was part of like the the long, short, and medium term issues that are like that was another thing that we learned is the uh, on on uh, on like there's a shortage of doctors, there's a shortage of nurses, there's a shortage of all these things in lots of industries, not just healthcare, but there's shortage of a lot of them. So the uh, the long term plan is to train our own. So we've uh, we've created a um, uh, or we're, we've added spots to both U of A and the University of Calgary for doctors, and we want that to be a rural stream. So if we can train rural and get them, they're more likely to come back to their community. There's no guarantee, but they're more likely to come back to, the, to their own community and practice their medicine there. That's a long-term plan. That takes eight to 10 years. The medium term is, uh, is uh, immigration and bring in qualified people. So we had to work with the College of Physicians and Surgeons and getting them to tighten up their approval process to allow doctors to practice, say from Britain or Ireland or whatever. Uh, and uh, and so we we um, so that's that's kind of the short term issues. Bring in nurses. We signed a deal with the Philippines to bring more RNs from there and recognize their credentials in that. Yeah. So so those are and then the short term thing is to increase the scope of practice of as many people as possible. And an example of that working is the first place we went down was uh, or second place was Lethbridge. And while we were there, we went to the local shoppers uh, drug mart to open up a family clinic. So, it, so these are pharmacists that can, that can they, they have a scope of practice that lets them diagnose and make uh, uh, prescriptions for certain ailments. It's not as big as a doctor or a nurse practitioner or any of that, but they can do some of that and take the load off of a doctor. The reason this was the first one in Canada that shoppers did, the reason was is because our scope of practice was the biggest for pharmacists across the country. And that's why they came here and did it. And now they got another one on Lethbridge and it sounds like they want to expand that. So we can take some of the load off doctors so they're not sitting there taking wax out of someone's ear, right? Or doing routine type stuff and they can concentrate on more of the complex things. So th that's the short-term th thing is to increase the scope of practice as evolve as many professions as you can. I'm curious, did you, in all your travels, uh, did you ever get a chance to sit with Mike Kuzmiskis? He was the CEO of ICOR Blood Services. He's the engineer yes. switched over that was uh, promoting the idea of doing blood tests on a, on a demographic of people, usually yep. over, I can't remember, and I apologize, Mike, I'm going to say like 50 plus yep. to catch uh, early things like uh, different uh, diseases and things like that so that it would take the burden off the healthcare system. Has anything like that been explored? Because when he told me about that idea, yep. you know, it's honestly, um, we, 
it's honestly the idea has spurred from that conversation into some of the SMP presents I've done where it's it's solutions for the future. It's trying to bring different backgrounds yep. to look at a certain problem. No different than what you're you've talking about traveling the entire province. Yep. Uh, yeah to try and discuss and then to see if there's something that bubbles up. And what he was talking about, I found very, very interesting. Now, mm-hmm. of course it isn't free and all that jazz and I don't know how that'll works. Yep. But at the same time, I was like, that seems like a really smart idea because if you can all of a sudden eliminate, you know, you talk about the 30% of the ambulances just yep. by changing the, the vehicle scope. Geez, uh, if you can do that with people having to go to the hospital and everything else and catch it earlier, that seems like maybe a possible solution to to a chunk of the problem as well. Well, it makes sense, and uh, and I did meet with him. It wasn't part of the tour, but I was also uh, uh, chair of the North Rural Caucus. So, uh, and with that, he wanted to meet with our caucus, and uh, we were down at Calgary. Uh, I think it was during Stampede, and I had spare hours, so I told him, let's get together and have a chat. Right? Yeah. And then I brought him to one of our, our stakeholder meetings where more more MLAs were there. And at the end of that meeting, I, I thought, because all he's doing is facilitating, like some of that testing comes in from Mayo Clinic and yeah. different parts. Yeah, right? he's, just, he's just created a business model yeah, well, that, and facilitated it through Alberta so that you can get... Yeah, and, and what he wanted to do was a pilot project that would yeah. cost a couple of million bucks and see if it worked, right? That's what he wanted to do. So when we hung up, my question was, well, why does why can't Alberta Health Services do that? If all he's doing is facilitating it, like bringing in the Mayo Clinic or wherever these tests get sure. done, why do we need him? Right? Why can't AHS do it? And so that was my, you know, like nothing's happened on that. Okay, I know Danielle did talk about it in the leadership campaign. That, she did. Yeah. yeah, that might. Uh, why don't we try stuff like that? Right? But why why can't we? Why, you know, my question is why can't that happen through AHS? Because we can phone Mayo Clinic too, and we can take the blood samples and send it off, right? And maybe it's not big enough to, like, I don't know the problem, or not the problem, but why that doesn't happen, right? It's, uh, I, well, I don't have the answer to this. Yeah. I always go when you have uh, somebody who's creating a possible solution, although maybe your original agency can do it. Yeah. Uh, for the short term, it would be an interesting idea It'd to explore with yeah. somebody who's energetic to do it, already has the yep. business model there, yep. and has created a possible solution that could benefit Albertans and maybe Canada, to yep. be honest, for a lot of years to come. To me, yep. but I, I don't no, get to decide those. No, I just exactly. get to commentate on <laughs> yeah, it, so no, to speak. Yeah, right? No, and, and that was kind of my thought. I just said, well, like, really interesting hair on him, you know, for what he was doing. Like, I was... You know, you know, I, for like two million dollars in a twenty-two billion dollar budget. Yeah, right? I know. Tw- two so, million sounds like a lot. Yeah. it sounds like a lot to me. Yes, but then you realize how much money we're spending. We're spending like, on like, stuff, right? And so, let's, yeah, and it'd be a solution that could possibly Maybe. benefit. Well, it's worth a pilot project, right? It, it's it's worth yeah. a pilot project to yeah. see because it could benefit and not if, only you or me or somebody else, but yeah. like the entire population. Anyways, yeah, no, fair enough. I but that, that, you know, but that's, uh, so I did, I did, I did hear that. Like my role at the North Rural, and now that's changed. There's just a rural caucus and Roger Reed has taken that over. Like when I got appointed to uh, the Alberta First Cabinet Policy Committee, um, uh, I, I, like when Daniel, or Premier asked me to, uh, to, um, if I take that on, I said, sure. And then I just said, you know, boy, we, um, 
I'm on a lot of committees, and I don't know how busy is this one going to be. And she said, well, pretty busy. So I said, well, I, I need to get off some things. So I, get, I did get taken off some of the committees. And uh, actually, I should comment on, on that as a, as a difference. Sure. Uh, like MLAs now, the way it's being run, in my view, have more input and earlier in the process. So, for example, the Sovereignty Act came through my Cabinet Policy Committee. And that's made up of about half a dozen, six or seven uh, backbencher MLAs, six or seven ministers. And any, the, the stuff that comes through there is anything that impacts our relationship with Ottawa. So the Sovereignty Act came through there. And, and when, it, when it first came through, so the, the ministers, they get and they say, okay, here's something we want to pass. Here's the, the, uh, the framework of it. Sure. They come and they present that to our cabinet policy committee. We get to chew it up, have our concerns heard. There's uh, the parliamentary, uh, what are they called, uh, policy coordination offices there, taking notes and everything, and we have votes on things that are close, right? And then all that information goes to cabinet. Cabinet does the same process overall, and then a, and have their input. Then the minister builds that into, well, here's a policy then that all comes back to caucus for another crack at it. And the Sovereignty Act's a really good example because during her leadership campaign, it was the Alberta Sovereignty Act, right? That was the name of it. Yeah. People and people in the local constituency were saying, I'm not a separatist, so I don't want that. It was never about separation. It was about jurisdictional, uh, you know, right. keeping things within your yeah. jurisdiction. And, uh, and so... Through that process, the, the name changed from Alberta Sovereignty Act to Alberta Sovereignty within the United Canada Act. Just to, I, just to make sure everyone knew it's not about separation. Then there was, then the policy went to the floor, and there was a couple amendments that were made that happened through um, through uh, uh, caucus and through uh, the opposition, uh, like the NDP saying, "Well, this gives." Uh, ministers too much power and they can change laws. So there was amendments made to uh, uh, fix that. So that's the way the system is supposed to work. So I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable that the system we have now compared to what we did before, I feel like me as a backbencher has more input early on uh, in, in the process. So that's something that uh, the leadership group brought forward and on how we're going to go about things. Well, I want to talk about leadership. You know, it's it, you've had an interesting, I mean, COVID aside, you've had an interesting go here because you, you've had, when you first get elected, you got Jason Kenney, yep. right? We're going to unite the parties, uh, you know, yep. everybody know, in this area knows about the wild, I mean, half the names you've mentioned, I'm like, yeah, well, yep. I, right? <laughs> and this was a wild rose area, yep. right? Like That's it was. Right. And so when the parties are united, that's an interesting perspective. Then you go along, you hit COVID, you get uh, Kenny steps down after he had, uh, by a hair, but he still had majority, yes, that's uh, right? right? Yep. He steps down, and now you have Daniel Smith, who yep. won. You know, I was there that night. That yep. was a strange night, too, because, yep. I mean, lots of people thought uh, it would be a little further stretch. Some people thought that, or, or further apart, sorry, and other people thought Taves was going to win, you yep. know, hands down, blah, blah. Anyways, you get Daniel Smith. Yep. How has the change been, uh, you know, from inside a party going from Jason Kenney to Daniel Smith uh, the Alberta Sovereignty Act in yep. the United Canada, everything, you know, yep. like she's come with, um, 
a little bit of uh, I think the word is pizzazz. I, I think she, you know, like uh, I would say personally, yeah. when it comes to politicians, Garth, maybe you disagree, maybe you agree. Yeah. She has a way of speaking and talking about any subject you want to put under the sun. Yeah. Like nobody I've ever seen on a political stage. It's, it's rather impressive. I think we got to see it in the, the debates and everything yep. else. But you're, once again, uh, someone on the inside. What has the change like been? I know you probably aren't going to sit here and, you know, I don't know how you're going to talk about Danielle. I highly yeah. doubt it's going to be one or the other, but I don't think it's going to be bashing. Well, no, well, what I will say is, like, I didn't publicly support anybody. And, and the reason I didn't do that is because of my position on carbon dioxide and, and my desire to be able to speak about it, regardless of that. The, well, we'll, get, we'll, we'll make sure we put a note in here. <laughs> but, the, the, um, uh, but people would phone me and ask me, like, who do you think, right? And I said, well, you know, if you want a more assertive, in-your-face kind of an approach to Ottawa, that's Danielle Smith. If you want a more diplomatic, strategic uh, type, that's Travis approach, Taves. That's Travis Taves. Yeah. So pick your poison or whatever. That's a bad word, maybe. But yeah, no, no, but know, I, I get pick, what you mean. Pick, pick your person, right? And uh, and so I'm. I was like, um, Travis Taves is just a, a a very competent professional and a gentleman. So I, I, you know, he'd he'd hear you out. Like I really enjoyed working with him. He was just so. He wasn't open. He didn't. He didn't go goofy and with hair on fire. He just was very competent and knew knew what he was talking about. So I was really, really comfortable with that part of him. Um, uh, but Danielle worked very hard, and uh, and she's uh, like I think she worked the hardest. You know, and I've said that to people even before the vote happened. Like the number of uh, get out the vote meetings she did, even through this constituency, was yeah. pretty impressive. Was so, impressive, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I think she worked extremely hard, and and she won. The other thing I'll say is there's we have got a pro, we've got a problem as conservatives. Uh, it's not a problem; it's a good thing. We're a big tent, right? And and. Well, as we've sat here yeah. and went back and forth, yeah. you kind of get a, and every listener. Uh, under the sun can get a feel for conservatives because we're a little bullheaded too. Yeah, yeah. I and, mean, yeah, and and that's fine. And, but and the, but that creates a problem for us. And and if you look at us on a national basis, for every conservative, there's two progressives in the country. We can't afford to split our vote. In the province, I'd say we're still majority conservative, right? Like if but if you split that conservative vote, it's not it, it can lead to trouble. And, and so, and I think the part of that reason is because when we first, like w- even when uh, Premier Kenny got, got uh, as the leader, I had people nitpicking at him, well, I don't like him because of this or that or whatever, right? And then that built over time as decisions get made and that people don't like, and then, and then, then away you go. When Danielle got elected, I, I heard the same things again yeah. from the other side, right? I think progressives are very narrow tent. You either agree in there or you're not in the tent, right? I would agree with that. So they're so yes. they're they're very so so that so they're less subject to internal strife than conservatives are for that reason, and that's something that I've kind of come to. Uh, I, I might be wrong, but that's my perception of the difference between, one of the differences between the two parties. I, I, I would add to that and say that um, you think, 
you think like the, you, they do or you're out. Yes. And so uh, one of the things was uh, that really I had no idea about was pro-choice or pro-life. I didn't yeah. realize in order to be, I think it's, it's a liberal party of Canada. Liberal Canada, yeah. You yeah. have to be. You have to be pro-choice. You have to be pro-choice. Yeah. And, and once again, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm going, I've had this uh, talk with lots of people. I'm, you yeah. know, like I'm interested in having the conversation. Anytime you can't have a conversation, I think yeah. by now people understand me. Anytime yeah. you can't have a conversation, I think that's that's dangerous. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and it doesn't matter the subject because I I wanna I wanna hear people out I wanna yep. hear what their thoughts are because every time I do I learn something I yep. think that's maybe hopefully one of the things about the podcast is why people tune in from time to time or weekly or whatever you're doing I love you all yep. um, is that uh, is we get to have a conversation about difficult things and when you hear that about the Liberal Party I'm like oh that's it that's it oh. that, 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 that to me that's not that I'm not pro-choice or pro-life. I, I, I just like hearing the discussion. I don't got to carry the kid, you know? Yep. I mean, um, I want to hear the different things and I can hear people already yelling at the oh, radio, sure. right? Yep. Because yep. Th- that's a very hot button issue. Yes, it is. Yep. But you're 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 right. Uh, the, the, the conservatives, one of the beautiful things about us is we get to argue about everything, which well, is great. Well, it's like in like the carbon dioxide issue with Kenny. Sure. Like, well, when, when, when I brought that up the first time, like... Three reasons I ran the first time was getting rid of red tape, balancing the budget, and pushing back on the war on fossil fuel. That was my, you know, plus all the other things you do as an MLA, like solve local issues, uh, you know, or try to at least. Uh, So those were the three. Two kind of got looked after. Red tape, I think we're doing a great job. Our mindset is there. There's more to do, but at least we're in the headspace to go do it. Balancing the budget. It, it showed how important oil is, oil and natural gas are to us, right? Like, and, and here's the NDP who wants to uh, shut it down. Like, how brain dead can you be? Like, that to me is this, like, they're just pulling numbers out of the air. It's, it's just, it's nuts. Yeah, right? it's, mumbo, it's mumbo jumbo. Yeah, so anyway, I, so, but that's one of the reasons I went. Well, I, I wanted to say it, and of course, there's stuff I wanted to say, and of course, the zeitgeist of the day is you can't talk like that because it'll hurt the party. On here, you can talk like that. You no, know, I know that. <laughs> but I, you know, but I, so, so anyway, at the start, they were editing kind of what I said, right? At the end, they weren't. And the, and the NDP came uh, to, uh, um, to, in question period, and they wanted me kicked out of caucus because of what I said. And Kenny defended me. He said he has a right to have his own opinion. It's not the party's position, but it's his. And what is your pos- uh, position then? You you call it what? What do we what do we call it here? Well, uh, like, somebody's going to call it uh, uh, climate change. Another is going to call it global warming. Another is going to call it this. Another is well, going to call it that. I, I just call it carbon dioxide. Like the whole premise of all that is that carbon dioxide's a pollutant, and it's going to end the world in eight years. Now it was yes. twelve years, four years ago. So in eight years, the end of the world because of carbon dioxide. I think carbon dioxide is essential for life on Earth. I think a lot of scientists would agree with that. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and so, and now with the carbon taxes and all this stuff that's coming on, the rubber's starting to hit the road on the cost of all this, right? Like you look at our natural gas bill, 20% of it now is carbon tax. And by April 1st, that's going to go up. Like, it's going to be, you know, probably when they get to the end of the carbon tax, whatever that is, but 170 is what's stated right now, that might be 50, 60% of your bill. 
you look at how electricity is priced in this province and carbon credits have value because of the carbon tax. And that is factored into how electricity is priced in this province. So, so I want to push back against that. And, uh, and, and, you know, and that's, that's the thing that I want to bring forward. And, and so the, the three going forward is the war and fossil fuels. That's what I want to do. Uh, utilities and electricity. I want to, like, I've been working like crazy trying to understand how electricity operates in, in the province. And I've got an opinion. I, you know, I, I'm always learning stuff, right? And then the other one is healthcare. So those are the three that I want to work on. And I just, I just think that we're, uh, I don't think a carbon tax is going to save the planet. Uh, and I, and that's all it's going to do is cost us more. And so I'm just not, I'm just, I, I, and I want to push back against that. I'm willing, I'm willing to have people scream and holler at me and tell me I'm wrong and here's why, but I have to have the right to say it. Right. Well, yeah, I yeah. mean, you're talking to a guy who it, that's what I fight for is the yes. right to say what's on your mind. Yep. No matter how controversial it is, as long as you're not, what, inciting violence, I would say. That probably takes it a little far. Yep. As long as you're just getting a thought out of your head, you should be able to say it. Well, you should. The, the, the doubt from a party perspective yes. is like you go to AGMs and you have meetings and, and you have all these things and you agree as a group as to what you're going to say. And then, and then where we fall down sometimes is we say, well, to hell with that. I'm going to go out and say my side of the story. Right. And it, it create in the political world, it creates problems for you and, and you can lose seats in those areas. So you have to be, uh, willing to, to be distanced. Right. Well, tell me this, uh, um, I'm going to pull you off a subject and put you on a new one here. I think I can't speak for the, there's 87. Mm -hmm. So I can't speak for 86. Vermillion, Lloyd, Wainwright. What do you think has worked? Uh, in this in this area for an MLA, is it is it is it been talking to all your constituencies? Is it just because we're so UCP? You know, like you know, I, I, to yeah. sound like once again I say this uh, a little in jest and a little as in I'm just green, mm-hmm. right? I've been I've been paying attention. You know, like do MLAs have to like if you didn't talk to a single constituency uh, represent uh, person yep. uh, voting public. Would it matter in our area? Because we're going to vote UCP, we're going to vote UCP. I mean, we've been, you know, I mean, and well, saying that until uh, the wild rose came around, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and it, you know, like the, uh, yeah, I, I think it does, and where it shows itself is in our nominations, right? Like, I, I got a claim this time, like, but the, the first one, there were six of us, right? And a, a wide variance. Explain of that to me. I, I probably don't understand that. So when you get when you get nominated the first time, six yep. of you. Yep. The next time, if you say you're going back in, nobody can run. Oh no, I didn't let me run. It just no one challenged me. Is that uh, I don't know the history. Is that unique? Or no, no, that happens. Or is it because COVID just happened? Everyone's like, I ain't touching that position with a <laughs> well, ten no, foot pole. Because uh, like Tani Yao up in Fort McMurray lost by eight votes. He was an incumbent MLA up there. Dave Hansen just uh, just before we got out of the legislature in December lost by one vote. So he got challenged. There was two people that challenged him. So no, like we, it's wide open. Like anyone can challenge you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and if you get in a claim, then either no one wants the job, like you say, or, or they're 
content enough that they don't want to kick you out of there, right? <laughs> like the the local the local members type of thing. Right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you get in, you're going to upset people. That's the nature of the job, right? And positions you take or whatever. Well, so, I mean, you, you think of a, a, a president. I'm going to use the states. Sure. Um, when the vote at the end is like what, fifty-two to forty-eight? Yep. Or, you know how close yep. it is. It's yep. like you just pissed off half the country. No matter what you yep. do, and maybe maybe at some and you know a majority is you know a, a sixty-forty split. You're still yep. like, yeah, how many millions of people that pisses off? Politics yep. is really strange that way. Well, and it's the process, right? So if, if and and that's where like we for the first time since I've been involved, uh, and even before I got elected, we actually got a policy recommendation put on the AGM agenda and had to do with uh, 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 electricity. So we we put that, and the way that works is we as a local CA came up with a policy suggestion that we wanted to do. We submitted it. That gets sent out to all the members and they vote on it as to what they want to see at the AGM. Ours got the third most votes. And what and what was it, Garth? It was on electricity, and I'd, all I said is I I I just think that any new source of of electrical generation should um, we before we approve it, it should be we should take into account uh, how far that is, like the transmission cost, because if you take a, a generation spot and it's out in the middle of nowhere, you have to get it to the line to the to the tr- system, right? To the grid. Yeah. And that is transmission. And that gets so- uh, socialized over all users in that area. So if you're building all this new transmission stuff, because you have to go where the wind blows or the sun shines, not only are you adding costs relative to, from a carbon credit perspective, that's adding to the base cost of the people that set our energy price, our electricity price, but you are also a- increasing potentially transmission costs. And all, all I said, that should get into the equation of whether that gets approved or not. So so that's what we said in a real tight yeah. policy thing. And uh, and then that went out, and we were number three. And we were number three in there, and it passed. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to become part of our policy, but it's a recommendation from the AGM. So that's how people get involved. Like, does do individual points of view matter? Yes. Like I went and spoke about healthcare at the Camrose AGM, and uh, there was over 300 people there. Like those people are engaged, right? And I was really impressed with that. And after people came up and talked to me, and and uh, but they they feel that, and and it can happen. Like if you have input into your local CA, that's how policy gets into the AGM. And if it passes there, it becomes a discussion point for a, a platform. Uh, that that you're going to have for an election. Then if you win the election, you can implement your policy. So so I think sometimes people phone up and say, look, this is what I want. Go get it done, right? Well, there's a process and there's there's work that needs to be done other than just saying it. If you're serious about it, get involved, get a policy development process going through the CA, get it to the AGM, and, and, then, and then to try to get votes for it, you got to go out and get other CAs and uh, get them to vote for it, right? And and members and stuff like that, like get that message out. That's what you have to try to do. And that's how people can get involved. So locally, like, 
you know, that's that part. The other part is when I lurk, work with local uh, municipal leaders and like Mayor Gerald Albers is a great example. He's, uh, when I first, you know, first guy to latch on, he says, come to Lloyd, I want to drive around and show you my priority, right? So we drove around and we had a list of five and we start trying checking them off, right? And I, I use him as an example to other municipalities that I talk to in my constituency and say, that's really good. Instead of just, like, don't just yell at us. What do you need help with? And I'll see what I can do for you. And I've been able to get that working with everybody because everyone wants to solve local problems, right? Especially municipalities because that's their job. So I've, I've um, so we've done that. Like here, one of them, and it's been the biggest frustration like in the fall of 2020, we passed a where we can send Netflix across a border to the Saskatchewan Hospital, right? Saskatchewan side of Lloyd Minster. And you can't do that. So you have to do tests over again sometimes, S- going send, back and forth. Send, explain no, this. Net, NetCare is medical information, so x-ray and lab tests, right? Okay. So, and, for, and for the listener, I know a yeah. lot of people understand w- Lloyd, but let's just yeah. assume there's a few that don't. Sure. Lloyd falls right smack in the middle of the borderline, right? Yeah, the so you border, got, yeah. You got half on or a third, Alberta. Uh, yeah. Two-thirds sure. on Alberta, one-third one third on Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Yeah. You'd know the percentages yeah. better yeah. than me. Yeah. So you can understand that our hospital is on the Saskatchewan right. side. Meanwhile, majority of the population lives on Alberta. Yeah, and there's issues, right? There's, like, that creates issues for all sorts of things. But, but the, 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 and it's been trying for years to pass legislation to allow the transfer of this, that information across a border. So we pass that, that can go across provincial borders and it can go through uh, uh, international borders. What's happened is then, okay, you pass, oh, sorry, you pass the regulation or the legislation, then you need to get regulations and amendments in place to be able to do it, right? Because the privacy commissioner had a real problem with it. How am I going to enforce breaches of the Privacy Act if they're in another province or another country, right? So that was their concern. So they're out there building up regulations and amendments and stuff like that to give them the ability to do that, whatever that is. We still don't have that. So here we are two years later, right? And it's, and we're into our third year now and it's still not in place. The guys that couldn't get that information in 2020 still can't get it today. So, so I'm really proud. It was going to be one of my marks on the wall of what I accomplished locally here. And, uh, and, and here we are, we, we, like, they tell me they're close, they're real close, but, uh, you know, the frustration of that part is one of my, it's it, it one of my accomplishments, I think, but one of my biggest frustrations is that it's taken so long to try to get implemented. Well, I was going to ask you about frustration. You know, one of the things, uh, I don't think the lay person understands, and mm-hmm. I don't use me as a, specifically is how slow things move. It doesn't Sometimes, make, yeah. it doesn't make well, certainly when it comes to security and privacy and things like that and, you yeah. know, sweeping change to the province. Yeah. I understand how slow things can move. The only problem I got, and I hate to bring COVID right back up, <laughs> at how quickly things could change overnight when we were having press conferences every single day. Yep. Right? Like the sweeping changes that happened to everybody, it seemed like in a, an emergency was fine. Yeah. But now when you got, you know, like, you know how ridiculous that is? Sorry for a yeah. local person that that can't just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I'll, I, gi- I'll give you a better example. Sure. Federally, we we made marijuana legal in one year. Right. We can't build pipelines. <laughs> you know, we, it, it's, it's sometimes. What's, it's, what's, yeah. what's the thing then, Garth, you know, uh, I'd asked you about how you fell into politics and that yeah. kind of thing, you know. 
looking at politics from the outside and, and, and being a campaign manager and, and certainly uh, seeing a little bit of that race, then actually getting in. Yeah. What have you learned from being in politics to just being a citizen, voting, paying, etc. Yeah. that you you think would be wise for people to understand? Well, you know, people have asked me, you know, uh, how come you're not a minister of something, right? I, well, I, I really don't want to be. Because as a minister, you get so narrowly focused on the one ministry that you're dealing with. And, and, it, and, it, and it makes it less, you're less able to do your constituency work because you're just so... Hyper-focused. Um, you're just immersed in the day-to-day challenges of running that ministry. So my preference, and I, I guess if a, if a leader came and asked me to minister of something, uh, you know, I'd, uh, I'd probably take it. But I... But it, it, I don't view my success as an MLA as to whether I get a ministry or not. Like, I'm not there for title or treasure. But, like, there's, like I can define the three issues that I want to work on and then solving local constituency issues. And I just think that if I can have influence, and, and, I, and I can. Like, I can, I can like the, the uh, oh, renal dialysis machine. Like, we... we the um, uh, foundation came to me and said they were raising money and they needed another two million, I think it was. And so I, I worked on that one, I worked on that one, and worked on that. They've been trying to get it for years. And uh, and we got 4.25 million. And I phoned up Malcolm Racky, who was uh, running at that, at run, that time. At that yeah. time. And he said, oh, geez, they're paying for the whole thing. You know, so, so I had some influence, right? Uh, the ag- the exhibition association over there, there was land that the town owned that they were leasing. The fear was is that it was going to get uh, a, a developer or some private thing might come to town and say, look, I'll give you this much money for yeah, that. Yeah, the city can't turn it down or and, what have you. Yeah, whatever. And then what happens to the exhibition association? So I a- advocated for that, and they've been advocating for that for years. And maybe it's because we're in power, you know, uh, that, that it happened, but... So we got the money to buy that for the association. And then that was money that the, the city could use for whatever it wanted to use it for. So, you know, those are local things that people bring to my attention. And and not everyone sees the advocacy that happens, right? Because they're just going about their life. Like people aren't involved. They're just living their life. And Have you, en- you, have know. you enjoyed it? Yeah, I, uh, mean, no. I, I, I mean that uh, certainly... Um, I hear, I've, I've asked this a lot about uh, politics, you know, yep. I, I, I've told you, you know, Trudeau gets in, you start paying attention. I don't know. Maybe it was kids. Maybe it was all the same yep. time. Maybe it's a certain age. I don't know. Um, but one of the things, you know, when I first started asking, I'm like, why aren't more people racing to be into politics? Right? Lots of business owners want nothing to do with it. Right? Yeah, that's right. They talk about there's not enough money in it. I think I've debunked that. I mm-hmm. think there is enough money in it. I, I, I mean, I just don't think you get paid $20,000. You don't. Like, the numbers are way higher than that. Yeah. They, they talk about the how much you're in the public eye. And I'm like, okay, maybe fair. It's to talk about how much uh, animosity you have to deal with and, and how busy you are. You're away from your kids or, you yeah. know, everything else. Um, have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I have. And why, and why I have, you know, it's funny because I was listing off, I went to a local Rotary uh, Club meeting and I was listing all the different committees I was on and what I was doing. And, uh, and they said, well, Jesus, like, what do you do in your days off? Right? Well, you're kind of working all the time, but it, 
it doesn't feel like what I said. It doesn't feel like work. Like I'm, I'm, I'm learning so much. What I describe to people, I say, you know, I can, I can, uh, I can talk, I can talk partly intelligently to a way broader group of people about their issue than I could before I got into politics. So you learn a lot, right? And, and if you, in the end, uh, like whenever an MLA passes away, they get announced in the legislature, right? Most of the time, I don't know that name, never heard of it before, right? And it could have been just two terms ago. So you don't, you, well, you think of, uh, uh, you think of guys from the area who've been MLAs. I can't list them all off. Yeah. I mean, I just can't. And that's our own MLA, let alone 87 or 86 exactly. others. Yeah. And so it's, it's, so that's why, and this is what Steve West, the great recommendation he gave me when I, when I won that night, he says, look, you are going to be inundated with all sorts of stuff. He says, don't try to be an expert at everything. You'll get nothing done. He says, pick what you want to work on, focus on that, be aware of everything else and be able to look up the issues or advocate for it based on the information you get from a constituent or a mayor or whatever that you're dealing with, but pick what you want to work on. And so that's kind of what I've done. And that's why like fossil fuels, I'm, I'm like, I'm known as the, the, you know, climate change guy or whatever you want to call it, but I don't mind pushing back on that. And I don't care about the, the the vilification that I like I get beat up all the time we get emails from Ontario asking me saying you know quit embarrassing yourself like they so they're trying to intimidate me into silence right well uh, you know I, I, I don't care so so for me the the draw of it and and like I just recently decided to run again and part of it was the like before the nomination process happened and and I was sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, can I be more uh, influential? Because you get torn in so many different areas. If you want, fit, want to work on something specific, would I be better working on the outside through some sort of a lobby group or, or on a board somewhere, you know, uh, relative to healthcare or something like that? And, and I asked the minister that specifically when we were on the tour and he says, you know what? He says, as long as I'm minister, you're going to have influence and the best way you can have influence is as an MLA. And so he is, he's embraced input from all sorts of MLAs. Uh, and, uh, and so that was the reason that I said, okay, I'm going to add healthcare to it. And, uh, but I'm still going to work on the electricity and utilities and, and, uh, and the fossil fuel thing. So that's why I decided to, to run again, because, uh, you know, I don't need, I, I need issues to try to solve. I don't need treasure and title. Do I have you for a few more minutes? Yep. I got to be at somewhere at noon, but we got some more time. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to pay attention to the clock here sure. for a few more minutes because I, I want to I throw, a, it, assuming, you know, mm -hmm. things go right in May. Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, four years more of yep. Garth, correct? Yep. Okay. I've been, I've been pondering this idea. And why not? No, I can't think of a better person to throw it at than mm -hmm. the guy who's actually representing us. Four, four years out, assuming everything goes spot on. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Could we run? Because I assume you won't stay in for a third term. No. I, I yeah. assume, I, I actually should have thought that before I even said it, but I assume you're, you're sticking for one more term and after second term, that'll be enough. That'll be enough for me. If I can't accomplish what I want, 
in that length of time. And I'll be 71 at that point. So, so, you know. Okay. So then two <laughs> questions. One is, the first is, um, do you think younger people should get involved at the MLA level or at least, um, campaign manager? I don't know. You mm-hmm. get the point. Yeah. Uh, where they're involved so that by the time they hit a certain age, they can get involved. Do you think it's a young man's game? Do you think it's the opposite? When you get young kids and kids in school and yeah. everything else, you got to be, well, I think you got to be involved there, but I, I'm, I'm curious because, you, you know, you're you're doing it in the later stage. Are you get yep. in politics or retire? That was the two yep, options exactly. you said well, well earlier. Yep. Do you think it's, you wish more young uh, folks would be involved? I, I get, yeah, I got to tell you, the uh, we have young people in our caucus. Like there was two ladies. Uh, Miranda Rosen and Michaela uh, Glasgow at the time. She's Fry now. Okay. And she's the one that gave up her seat for the premier. Uh, but when they won at the beginning of last term, Mika- uh, Miranda was uh, 24. Okay. Michaela was 26. And for boy, you know, and uh, you know, how much value can they bring? My God, were they talented? Another one, Dan Williams, that's up from the peace country. Uh, just, I, I don't know how they get so smart so early, right? But in, in, to answer your question, I think, like, when I look at it, when should you get involved in, in politics? Well, either in that 25 to 35 range, maybe, before you had kids. It depends how important if you can manage your way around it. Because I couldn't imagine being in this job when my kids were little. Like, I just, I, I just can't see that. But... If you're in there and, and that before you have kids, and then if you want to take off and go do something else, because you gain a lot of uh, connections and you get exposed to a lot of different companies. Um, and, and I was talking to one uh, MLA that's not running, and he's getting approached by a lot of people to base, you know, because you have this institutional knowledge, maybe you can be of value. Yeah, to. absolutely. So, so I think, and that's not my plan because when I'm done, I, I think I'm done, but the, the, um, um, so I think if you get in young enough, and it doesn't have to be 25, but I think 35 to 45, if you can go in and make your mark there and, and then use that, uh, all the relationships and everything that you developed and, and go get the next stage of your life in place, that would be a good time frame. The other one is, uh, you know, my age, which is, it's kind of your last fling and, and then where you go, right? <laughs> well, then here, here's my, here's my, a question for you. Yeah. When you're officially done yeah. and you, you're going to have a new representative yep. for the UCP, yep. and certainly a lot of things can change in that time, but assuming we stay UCP in this area, right? that becomes more of the election than the actual election, uh, yes. in my eyes, yeah. if I'm reading the tea cards, uh, yep. you know, the tea leaves the right way. And I go, I've had this idea of like a Canadian Idol of the, you know, the Wainwright, Vermilion, Lloyd Minster. I'm like, how do you foster where you get six, I don't know, 20, you just, and then we can have the best. And I'm not saying you're, yep. no, no, you no, get, fair you get enough. the idea. Yeah, I Somebody who's going to follow in the, the footsteps of Garth that... I, I don't know. Maybe is that 26-year-old, or maybe it is the 80-year-old, or not the 80-year-old, yeah. the 60-year-old, apologies, yeah. um, that, that is, but you, you get them on stage, and we roll out the red carpet, and we let people go up there, and we try, and I, I, I think of like Canadian Idol, where they go around town by town, they, they, they interview all these people, and they pull out the best one, and then they go to the next, and then they put them on, and all of a sudden, you have your area, and yeah. they're like, here is the six. 
or here is the eight or whatever. Yeah, whatever the number is. Yeah. I'm like, is that a? Because I sit here in this seat. I'm fascinated by uh, politics. I never thought I would say that. I, I tell you what, when I first started Garth, mm-hmm. you can see the walls in here. Yeah, it's yeah. all hockey. Yeah. I mean, it started to slowly change. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, on sports shows, what do they tell? They always say, we'll never talk about politics and we'll never talk about religion. And on here, we've talked about it all. Yeah. You know, it's, it's slowly changed. And so I find myself looking at politics and I'm like, man, I can't fix and I don't need to fix everybody's area. But in my constituency, I'm like, okay, how do we get people interested to run, to talk about things again, so that you foster the best possible candidate? So you get, in my opinion, and now I'm I'm bullish on Danielle Smith, at least for the time being. um, How do you get more Danielles? And certainly that's going to be uh, certain instances where they, whatever. But our area has produced... Some oh, very, absolutely. very talented MLAs absolutely. on both sides of the province. Yep. And how do you uh, encourage and keep, you know, pushing that up so that you get, you know. The best people. The yeah. best people. And then yeah. they're supported by the best people who are yeah. trying. Anyways, you, you yeah, kind of no, get the I, idea. I, I get it. Yeah. And, you know, part of it. And I think this is where um, some really highly qualified individuals may not want to do it because of what they've heard of how. And I don't. I want this to sound like complaining, but how MLAs are treated sometimes, like they're, like people can unload this. Yeah. And like I've takes I, us, uh, I, I've I've hung up on two people, uh, and it was mostly because of profanity, and I gave them a chance. I said, "Look, if you're going to swear, I can't continue this conversation." And then they start swearing again. Right. That's two. Uh, you know the emails I've gotten and stuff it, like it, and I and I'm not too bad. Like, like. Other ones have been death threats. Like it's crazy what yeah. we do sometimes. So I think that scares away some really high-end people that just said, like, I don't need that. Because I've asked some local businesses. I said, how much involvement do you have with government? And they, not much, really. You know, unless something gets passed that bugs me and then I'll complain to somebody. But, but to, to get back to your original question, I think we had six people that, that ran, all very good people. And uh, we... The same uh, format that we did for the leadership thing in Vermilion, that was born here in this constituency when I ran for my f- the first nomination. And w- and what uh, Garth is talking about for people that didn't yeah. come that night is it's like speed dating for politicians. That's right. They, it, certainly my uh, my portion of it was brand new. I would think to uh, more of a roundtable than a debate. Yep. And then it was followed by speed dating for politicians, where they had different areas set up for each politician to talk to a group of at that night was probably 20 people at a at a, at a spot oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there was quite a few people yeah. there that night and they go around uh, after a certain i don't know what it is 12 15, minutes 15, 15 minutes yeah. and then they rotate to the next spot it was very uh you were good yeah, yeah yeah and so that's that's what we did so i think like if anyone knows of someone that they think boy this is a good young person they should be in politics or that business person well, I, would be really good. They need to start working on it early. Well, well, I, I'll use a hockey analogy. Yeah. You know, uh, growing up, they used to have spring and fall camp, mm-hmm. and uh, what do they call those? Uh, um, like where they could uh, spring camp. You brought in all these kids just to a try and identify, yeah. right? Identify. Oh, we should invite one, two, three, four. Maybe it's ten. Maybe it's two. But you just you go, and I'm like, I wonder how we foster that in our area. 
yeah. uh, so that you can identify like, man, there's three sitting there and there's four over there and there's two. Because I've, yeah. I've gone to a lot of political meetings over the course of the last like year and a half. Kind of hurts my brain because yeah. I never thought I'd be there. And um, one of the things that always catches my eye, and I could be wrong on this because I don't go to all mall, is the average age has to be 50 plus. Yep. And I am a young guy. Yep. And I'm like, I'm not that young. Yep. I'm not that old either. Uh, but I'm like, how do I get more people my age, you know, to to come out and listen and get involved? And then maybe at some point, maybe somebody's got a different circumstance than me and wants to get involved. I yep. got this I got this opportunity to put you on a mic and yep. and grill you and, and yep. hopefully uh, you know, have you come back and everything yep. else, right? Because it's really important for my area, me yep. too, to hear directly from Garth yep. about what he's seeing. So before I, I let you out of here, and I'm running out of time. Um, funny, I, yeah. I, I get a politician talking and me talking, and it seems to go. Um, uh, one, uh, uh, a lady had asked, Tara had asked, actually, I shouldn't say a lady, what you think of the new direction of Daniel Smith? Uh, what are your thoughts? Are, are you on board with what she's saying? You've mentioned... Um, um, uh, I'm going to say climate change, and yeah. you're going to call it something different. Well, no, yeah, no, but, I'm okay uh, with that. But, yeah. but certainly, there's there's some things overall. What do you, what do you think of the direction under Daniel Smith? Well, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm comfortable. Like I'm uh, I'm I'm like uh, she's willing to accept input, and and I saw this on the national media just this week. They are criticizing her for flip flop, like changing the name and that kind of stuff, right? The Sovereignty Act. What she did is she listened to people that had criticisms of it and acted on it. That's not a flip-flop. Like, that's input. That's accepting input. So I see that. I, I see that in her. Uh, you, can have, you can have a conversation. Like, she's not, she doesn't portray herself as the smartest person in the room. You know, she's willing to hear people out. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with her leadership. I want, uh, I think part of the reason I'm on the, Alberta First Cabinet Policy Committee is because I, I want a more assertive uh, response to the federal government. Like I'm, I'm on side with that. Hmm. So I, I'm, so I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I, I like I'm, I, I think she'll, um, I think she's going to be good for this province, and I hope she wins this uh, spring. Here's another one. Okay, Tyson Metro. This is what he asks. Alberta insurance companies are out of control to the point that it is giving Saskatchewan a competitive advantage and potentially driving business away from Alberta. Any yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, we are. We're not the most expensive, but we're close to it. Um, the uh, What had happened before is there was a, a cap on them and uh, and they couldn't increase their, their prices and it made it. So what happened is coverage was disappearing. And I know this is one that's right on uh, Minister Taves. Uh, plate and he's working he's made some changes and in the last like a, when when we took the when we took the cap off there was a bump but the last uh, I think it's 24 months the rate of increase has been less than the national average we're still expensive we're all aware of that there, there's a problem there but Trav or Minister Taves is working on this one so I don't disagree with what he's saying uh, BC uh, is uh, about as expensive or they're not that much cheaper than us but they lose that's a government plan but they lose a whole bunch of money so essentially the taxpayer subsidizing the government uh, program there and I think the under the NDP by capping what happens is the only way to is if you can't increase your revenue you got to r reduce your costs 
so they reduce it by lessening coverage. That eventually lends itself to a, a government insurance program, which some people might like, right? But, uh, but as a conservative, I'd rather not do that. And so I, I won't say there's no problem. There is. And uh, I think uh, Minister Taves is trying to find a solution to it, and, and, uh, and I, 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 he's the right guy to do it. But I don't have all the answers on that one for sure. All right, your final one. It's yeah. the final question brought yeah. to you by Crude Master. Shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald. Okay. Uh, they sit on the Saskatchewan side, but they also have businesses on the Alberta either way. Yeah. The question isn't about that. It's, 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 it's more of a personal uh, question. Uh, it's simple. Uh, if you're going to stand behind a cause, then stand behind it absolutely. What's one thing Garth stands behind? Well, my, well, the fossil fuel, the pushback on what I call the war on fossil fuels, that, and that relates right into electricity. And, and I, like, fossil fuels are being vilified around the world, and it's going to hurt people. And it's, you know, like there's a shortage in Europe right now, right? Yeah. And I think it's the, the green whatever uh there the agenda the agenda yeah and that's a big deal like if we make we're in a position in this province to be so competitively priced if we don't damage ourselves with these carbon taxes if we have a healthy fossil fuel industry we can fund healthcare. we can fund all these things if we destroy that yeah, we're in, we're, we're in big, big trouble. Yeah, like 100%. You look at uh, the county of uh, Vermilion River and the MD of Wainwright, the linear tax that they get represents in Vermilion, it's 50% of their tax take. And Wainwright, 70. You kill that industry, where's that money going to come from if you're going to maintain services and roads? It's rural people, it's farms, it's acreages, it's the urban areas. Like, like people got to wake up and understand that our competitive edge in the in this country and in the world yeah. is our fossil fuels. I think fuels. our area gets that, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I've had enough people on here talking about europe talking about this uh race to jump off a cliff with uh yeah. But I get beat up locally for my position. Really? Oh, absolutely. Like I get quite vilified. Interesting. Yes. It's it's not and it's in my problem Why why is that? Cuz well, people want no, I, I just think, you know, what's, what's happened is what the, the green left, and I don't know if that's a proper word, but I'll call them that. They've done a great job of advocating for their case. Yeah. And, and all they have to say in a meeting now is climate change, and that's supposed to intimidate you into silence. So they have gone unchallenged for a long time. Well, I, I hate to bring it all the way back to COVID, but, but what the similarities are when it comes to the green agenda the same thing happens to experts, media, everything. If you talk at the opposite way, yep. shadow ban, uh, yep. removed from things, silenced, vilified, everything. Yep. So as good a job as they've done yep. on getting their message out and marketing and everything else, yes. the other thing they have in their back pocket is anyone who speaks out against them, you've, you've said the word already about six times, intimidation yep. has been interesting. I find it interesting out here. Uh, it's not that uh, I think uh, I think it's Brian Gitt. He was a he's a guy who was in um, uh, wind and solar in California yep. and has switched over to a nuclear ab advocate. And sure. He said, and I would I remember when they were wanting to put nuclear uh, on the North Saskatchewan River. I forget how many years ago that was. And I remember thinking as a younger guy, I was like, man, I don't want that here, right? And then yep. he got talking about it. And I was like, 
oh, that's interesting. And I recommend people go back and listen to that. Um, but he wasn't against all solar and nuclear. No, he said there's parts of the world that could really benefit oh, from absolutely. it. Absolutely. But to act like intermittent energy is going to solve our problems, especially in this country, yeah. especially in this province. Well, I, I'm okay with bringing by with using it. I just it has to compete on its own merit. Yes. It shouldn't be subsidized or supported through carbon credits or any of that kind of stuff. If it can actually lower our cost, then great. I don't mind having wind and solar, but if it doesn't, then it adds cost and and it creates a redundancy where we got to have the fossil fuel backed up because of the intermittency of those. All we've done is raised our cost structure, which makes us less competitive in the world. If we took our, our advantage, our competitive edge in fossil fuels and didn't get, have it abused by us or the federal, federal government, government yeah. uh, then who knows like why can't we have car manufacturing here if we have the cheapest electricity in the in the in the continent right why not take our competitive edge and use it and maybe that's part of the reason the feds don't like it because they don't like that competitive edge so so i'm like that's the pushback that i want to do well, I'm going to make sure I get you out of here on time. So, okay. I mean, I've kept you longer <laughs> than I thought. We're, but I appreciate you I coming. I enjoyed the there. conversation. It, 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 uh, yep. it, it ventured into a whole lot of different areas. I appreciate you coming in and being open about it. Uh, certainly, uh, the reason I'm, you know, I don't want to have every MLA on. Geez, 87 yep. would be, you know, I mean, that, that Miles just called it conservative talk. You're right. But I, when you're the, our representative and I sit in your constituency, I think uh, it's really beneficial for me to hear from you, let alone everybody else, you know. Yep. I, and I'm sure there's going to be some people, that, you know, the text line will light up because yep. uh, one of the things, if I bring you back on, I hope to do better is have more input from different people. And now that they've heard you, probably that won't be a hard thing to do. Sure. Um, but uh, to have more input from uh, the constituency, because I think, uh, um, you know, uh, if there's one thing I've carved out for myself is that a lot of people from this area listen. Sure. And they're going to hear from you. And, and I think that's a good thing. And I think even for me, it's a good thing. I appreciate you being open and, and everything else to coming in here and sitting here and yeah. getting a little bit grilled and It'd everything be interesting else. interesting if I get in trouble over <laughs> But whatever, you know, it's it's my it's the way I feel, right? Well, I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks again, Garth, yep. for for hopping in this morning. Okay, thank you very much.